Hello and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. It's my podcast. It's going to be a great day today. I have a very special guest. Be sure to tell your friends to join us when we have our podcast episodes by going to the Fox Sports YouTube page. They can watch there. Also, add us at your favorite podcast app. And this is very comfortable. It's very cozy, I think. And the reason why I'm so happy about today's guest is it's because it's my big brother. DW is joining me on Walter Fun Filtered. We're at home. We're uh, hunkered down and have been this way for a while. And uh, just just so thankful you're here, brother. How, are you, how have you been? How's it going? It's going pretty well, Michael. You know, it's, uh, it, there's a lot of inconveniences with uh, being quarantined the way we have been. But, uh, you know... Steve and I, we're not, we don't go out a lot anyway. We eat out a lot, and our favorite restaurants are all closed, so we do carry out. Um, watch a lot of Fox TV, uh, a lot of racing on the, what, whatever, they call it racing. I guess that's what it is, I, the, the virtual racing. And uh, we watch uh, Hannity a lot. We watch uh, a number of shows on Fox News keep up with what's going on. We see the president every day. Um, it's kind of a routine around here. We get up, we have coffee, we I go out, I power wash. Everything in the neighborhood is pristine. I've driveways, sidewalks, houses. Uh, I'm about to run out of things to do, but I was a couple weeks behind on doing nothing, but I'm finally caught up. And I know you're surrounded by family, your beautiful grandbaby and all your da- daughters and in-laws, they're, they're all close by and maybe even staying out in the pool house some. So family is great right now. And, and I know you're blessed to have a great family. Oh, I, listen, Louisa, my little granddaughter's two, about two and a half. And by the way, Jessica's having another uh, little girl in, uh, in August. And, and, and so we can get Louisa about every day and I can't wait for her to get here. Uh, we ride a four-wheeler, we ride the golf cart. I pick, you know those bicycles we have at the, uh, at the golf tournament? You know, yes, where you learn how to ride a bike? There's a glider and all that. So I, she has one of those, and uh, she's learned how to ride a bicycle. So it's flashbacks for me. It's like when the girls were little, you know, Sarah and Jessica, and it's kind of like going back to the good old days. So I, I, I love every minute of that. I enjoy her being here all the time. Well, you know what I love about um, one positive of being um, hunkered down or hibernating, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, is when we do the podcast, heck, I get to come over to your house. I feel like I'm sitting in the den again with you and hanging out. Uh, this is a great, great feeling. Uh, and you talked about power washing everything in the neighborhood. Your driveway is pretty long. I don't, I don't know how you got all the way down that thing with your power washer. Well, it took me six weeks. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Took six weeks on a lot of hose, uh, but you talking about being comfortable. I mean, I you, know, you got a fire in the background over there, and and you look like you're in a like in a real nice setting there. And uh, I, I do. I feel like I'm just sitting across the table from you, having a cup of coffee and uh, chatting about what we've been doing for the last two months. Yeah, the you talked about the president and watching him daily. We got some some positive news uh, yesterday from from the White House about. Um, slowly transitioning back to uh, opening our country and different states, different counties in those states being able to do that on a different, uh, different pace. So I would, I, I think that's the first real positive news we've heard recently 
And um, it, it certainly was something I enjoyed listening to and looking forward to, to um, responsibly getting going again. And that means you talked about the virtual racing. That means real racing maybe is just a, a month or so away. So that's, that's exciting as well. Yeah. And there's, you know, this has created so many issues for so many people. Uh, you know, like I said, all of our little small businesses that we're, we go to a lot of restaurants are all kind of carry out. Uh, NASCARs had to, you know, had to put their schedule on hold. Uh, teams are, you know, they can't go to work. They're kind of quarantined at home. They can't go into the shops. So it, it, it's created a lot of problems for all of us. Um, but those are minor compared to what some people have had to deal with. Uh, the virus has really, you know, been a, a huge thing for our country. And I think the president has done an amazing job. I love watching him every afternoon. I get the, the briefings. I find out what's going on. And yeah, listen, it was after 9-11 and things were a little different for a while. I mean, taking your shoes off to go on an airplane or, you know, things that we had to do then. And I think this will have the same effect on us, uh, on our country. Uh, it'll, it'll, things will never be the way they were so much as it's a new norm. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see where that, what that is and where it goes. But things that we should have been doing all along, washing our hands, you know, or, or uh, social distancing, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm, I'm a hugger. I like to hug, you know, I like to hug and shake hands. So I might have to get over that, but uh, things will be a little bit different, but I think slowly but surely we'll get back into a, into somewhat, somewhat a normal pace. I hope so anyway. Um, you did the prayer for, for the iRace uh, the week before Easter, and it was good to see you and Stevie, and uh, very, very well done, uh, as always, for you. And that transitions into, you talked about, that you've been watching a little bit of iRacing. I got to tell you, I find it very entertaining, and uh, I've, I've watched my friends race on that, on their uh, rigs, their sim rigs, and how intense they are, and how how serious they are about, about winning. And it, yeah. it, you know, once you're a racer, you're going to, you're going to give it all you got every day. And it's, it's a, uh, I'm looking forward to, to I racing every weekend. It's always fun. Yeah. I, you know, I never thought I'd see Boyer so focused, uh, but when, when, they had, when he was on uh, and he was driving, you know, and, and but uh, I, I think that's one thing, like we have the in-car cameras and we see the drivers, but I, I sometimes, I don't think fans realize how focused you have to be to be successful. And it's not a on and off thing. You can't turn it on for a little while and turn it off. It's a, it's when they drop that green flag, you are in it. You, you're committed and you have to stay focused. And if it's a three hour or four hour, whatever, uh, 200 lap race, 500, whatever the distance is, the guys that can stay focused and concentrate and do their job are the guys that usually end up in victory circles. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 here's here's the only thing that bothers it doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm I'm not that involved in it, but um, I tried I tried our racing. I couldn't get out of the pits. I'd take off in first gear and spin out. So I, I've tried it a number of times, but it, it, it's supposed to be fun, and I think that's something that we we I think we lose sight of in a hurry. When all of us guys, you and me and Danny and all of us, we all get together. We're gonna race our cars. And it's going to be so much fun. And we don't care, you know, kind of what the outcome is. We're competitive. We want to win for sure. But we don't really care. And then officiating kicks in. And, and, and 
there's too, you know, well, we got to have a rule for this. Now we got to have a rule for that. The more rules you have, the more problems you have. So I just like it when we're sitting in our living room, we've got our little computer in front of us, we're having maybe a cold beer or whatever. And we're just going out on the track and seeing who's the, who can get around that track the fastest, the best. So that's the only thing I don't like. I, I like for it to be fun because our racing is supposed to be fun and it's virtual. It's not real. And so there's a couple of things that have happened that I, that I hate. Uh, you know, what happened to Kyle Larson? What happened to Bubba Wallace? Those are things that I wish to deal with. But when you have a lot of guys involved and you have a sport and you have a race and you have people on the track and things go wrong, somebody's got to make a call. And uh, sometimes it doesn't go in your favor. And that's you know, what I don't like. You know what's interesting? You, you bring up a great point about Boyer and his focus. Um, he drove for us for a few years and won races. And when he was in that car, you know, he was a different person, but nobody could see him. And he had on that helmet and doing his job. And that's what I love about iRacing. We can go into guys' living rooms and, and see the, the intensity in their eyes and how fierce competitors they are. And, and we can just live it with them. I think that's something that's really cool about iRacing, being able to, to watch your favorite driver and, and, and see his face. Well, you know, something that I, I I don't know if the fans, again, realize or not, but it's like when we do TV and you got on a headset and you're making a point and you're all up in what you're, you know, you're all telling a story and somebody comes in the other ear and says, now, when you finish that story, wait a minute, I'm trying to tell a story. Now you're interrupting me with, when I finish telling this story. So that's something you have to get used to. And I know I've, I talked to Boyer and he said, I'm trying to race. I'm focused. And somebody's yelling in my ear. I got a spotter over here. I got a guy over TV over here. And I'm trying to race. He said, very difficult. So those are things that, that we have to deal with that I think people don't realize sometimes when we're doing TV particularly. You're not in that booth by yourself. You got other, you got to other people and you got the producer and sometimes the director jumps in and tells you what to say or what to watch or where we're going or so you have to you have to juggle a lot of balls uh, to be good at what we do. And and speaking of which, um, last last time um, you did TV, we were out in California, and it was a beautiful thing. So many people wanted to, to hug you and pat you on the back and say thank you. Uh, and probably the as you could imagine, the question that I get asked most often is, "What's DW doing? How's he doing?" Does is he, is he bored? Is he enjoying retirement? Um, and, you know, I know it's been tough on you after all these years not to go to the racetrack, but, but uh, how, how's it going? I, I think I just need to ask that question in that general of a form. How are you? Yeah. Well, you would know uh, probably better than anyone. From the time I was 12 years old, uh, that was almost 70 years ago, um, from the time I was 12 years old, uh, I was at a racetrack. You know, when we started, we started with those go-karts and we'd go to church on Sunday with a go-kart stuck in the trunk. Couldn't wait for church to get over with so we could get to a racetrack, whether it was Evansville or Bowling Green or wherever we were going that, that Sunday afternoon to race our go-karts. So that's all I've ever done. These hands, I think I look at these hands and I say, man, I wonder how many hours I've spent gripping a steering wheel. These eyes, I wonder how many, how many things I've seen in my career uh, that 
are unbelievable. And, and, and my, you know, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but my butt, I mean, you know, most of the, most of the things that I saw and most of the things I reacted to, I felt it in my butt first, I think. Michael, I don't know if you know this or not, but I walk around with a tight butt all the time. I always have. I drive down the highway. I got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And my, I'm, I'm tight as I can be because I don't know just something about. I think I'm going to blow it right front, you know, going down the road in the car. So, you know, you're always prepared. You're ready. Stevie said, what are you going to do? I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. I, I, I anticipate. Yeah. I'm an, I anticipate moves, you know, what people are going to do. I see them coming. I see, all right, I'm going to go that way, even that way. And so I just anticipate. Anyway, what about, am I happy about being retired? No, I, I, it wasn't. I thought, I thought it was what I wanted to do. I thought it was the right thing to do. I thought the timing was right to step aside and let somebody else have some fun. But after I sat here a while, and particularly when the Daytona 500 started, and I'm sitting here on the couch, and they're done in that race, and I'm not there, and there's only two guys in the booth. Where's DW? Uh, you know, it was, it was hard for me to – hard for me to accept and hard for me to deal with. And it still is. Uh, even when I watch the virtual racing and Mike and Jeff are doing those, those races, uh, you know, for Fox, I need to be there. There's things I can add. There's things I know. There's things I see. There's things I, you know, why, tell them this, tell them that. Why aren't y'all doing this? Why aren't y'all doing that? So I, I guess eventually I'll get over it. But right now I'm just not over it. I'm just not quite over it yet. Well, I know you said when the Daytona 500 started, you're on your couch, but you weren't. Uh, the, when the when the clash started, you might have been on your cat on your couch, but you actually went to the Daytona 500. Um, you had a pretty fancy ride to get there. Oh, that was amazing, Michael. You you love this. So it's Friday afternoon, and uh, I'm watching Fox, and the phone rings, and the guy says it's it's uh, Bob from the White House. I said, Oh, sure. Who is this? Some one of these Fox one of my Fox buddies called me up, rattling my cage. You know, I said, Yeah, go ahead, Bob. He said. Uh, are you going to the Daytona 500 Sunday? I said, nope, don't plan on being there, my friend. I said, I'm not going to any more races. May never go to another track. May never go to another track. He said, well, would you go if the president asked you to go? I said, now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Your name is Bob. You're from the White House, and you want to know if I want to go to the race with the president. I said, so which one of you knuckleheads is this anyway? Well, sure enough, come to come to be true that it was actually the White House, and they were inviting me to fly down to uh, Daytona on Air Force One with the president and his family. And uh, would I do it? And I said, well, heck, I'd, I'd, be, I'd love to do it. So I met the president uh, down in Florida, got on Air Force One, and guess who was on there with me? So we're in this we're in a we're in a room big, we're in this room uh, on the on the plane. There must have been a hundred rooms in that plane. I don't know. Brian France and his wife were there, and their kids. And Don Jr. and uh, Kimberly from the Five, and and Don Jr.'s ex-wife and their three or four kids. I thought I was in romper room. I was in this little room with all these, you know, all these people and kids running everywhere, and they're having hot dogs and hamburgers and potato chips and and mountain. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. And 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 we're in Air Force One, and they said we're gonna we're gonna buzz the track. Well, you know, I figure what the heck? You probably won't even be able to see the track. We were 800 feet above the track when we went over in that big old airplane. I could almost reach down and touch the car if we were so close. So what an incredible day. Uh, of course, you know, I, 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 I was supposed to drive the president around the track in the beast, that, that big black limo that he rode in. 
So that was what they wanted me to do. And that was what I thought I was going to do. But I got there. So I, the beast is sitting there and it's huge. This thing's like a tank. And I go in and, and the guy that drives it sitting behind the wheel. And I said, uh, are you going to ride with me or am I going to drive or how are we going to work this? And he looked at me like I'd lost my mind. He said, uh, what are you talking about? I said, I'm going to drive the president around the track in this car. Uh, are you going to show me any, you need to tell me, show me anything. He said, you're not driving this car, buddy. I said, yeah, I, I, I said, I got, I got thousands of laps around this joint. I think I can, he said, hold on one minute. He gets on his phone and all of a sudden three men in these black suits and black guy, you know, they show up and they say, who are you anyway? <laughs> I said, I said, I'm Darrell Walter. I've won the Daytona 500. I know what I'm doing. And I said, I'm going to drive the president around the track in this car. They said, no, you're not. So that's not possible. Have you been checked out in this car? Well, I said, hey, buddy, it's a car. I think I can drive. I think I know what gas on the right, brake on the left. I think I got this. Anyway, they wouldn't let me drive it because I hadn't been checked out in. So wow. I wasn't disappointed, though, because I got to go to the Daytona 500, which I wasn't planning on, with the President of the United States, which I'd never met before. I met him and his wife, First Lady. Michael, I know you see him on TV, and you know he's a tough guy, and he's, sometimes he'll say things that we kind of cringe a little bit. But let me tell you, that's a sweet man, and that's a good man. Uh, his family was all on there, and when he came on the plane, Grandpa, Grandpa, and they're loving on him and hugging him. He loves his family, man. He's a family guy. And uh, he was kind. I shook his hand. We talked. And uh, we, we just had a – I had a great afternoon uh, being with the president and, and that whole crowd and going to the race. And I saw a few people uh, and, and, and got to be around them when I'd never been around him before. So it was – that was quite, a, quite an afternoon for me. And I, I, I was very pleased I got to do that. I was excited about it. It was fun. A couple of people said, is your brother coming to the Daytona 500? And I said, no, he doesn't want to come. I, I asked him to come. I told him he could use my bus. He could do anything he wanted, but he, he, he didn't want to come. And then he, then you showed up and I said, oh, sure. The president asked you. And that's a different story. I mean, your, your little brother don't mean nothing. He said I could use your bus. He said I could use his airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a I didn't have a plane to to send after you, but other than that, I thought the offer was pretty solid. Oh well, it, it was quite. I, I was so excited. I'd been on uh, Air Force One once before with President Bush. We went to the Winter Olympics, so I had been on the plane before, but it'd been fifteen years ago, maybe maybe more. And so it was. It was just a. It was. I was so happy because I'd never met uh, our president, Donald Trump. And I wondered what he was like in person. I wondered if he was that tough guy that kind of like, like he comes across. He wasn't. He was kind-hearted, sweet, spoke nice. You know, it just, just, it was a really, really great experience. I'm glad I got to do it. I, I was thrilled when it was all over with. Well, the, the start of the race, the flyover, the, the national, everything was perfect. And then the rains came and we, we raced on Monday and then uh, a, a terrible crash in the last lap it it uh was a sad finish uh, to a to a great to a great another great daytona 500 so we left daytona with heavy hearts wondering you know was ryan okay and uh just a couple days later we see him walking out of the hospital with his kids at his side so that that eventually had a happy ending as well but but wow what a scary moment that was 
It really was. It, it kind of reminded me of Jeff Down when he wrecked in his truck down there a few years ago, and that thing was just tumbling and cars hitting it and parts flying everywhere. But I, I would, I always worry about, and I, I, I've never hit a safer a barrier. I've only, I've only ever hit a concrete wall. That's what's wrong with me. I don't know if people know that or not. Me, but me too, by the way. I hit both, you know, so I'm twice you know as bad as you. <laughs> we have that in common. You know, we both hit concrete walls pretty hard. But anyway. Uh, I guess when you hit that safer barrier, uh, it does reduce the the effects of the impact considerably. Because Wait. when he hit when he hit that, the, the, what always which what happened to Dale when you get hooked and you turn and you go up the track and you hit head on, it's just it's just such an incredible impact, and the fans will never understand how hard you hit or how how it affects you. I know they won't, but I guess those safer barriers. And then all the safety devices inside the car now with the headrest and Hans device and so many things that we didn't have that they have today. Um, I I worried about Ryan too. I, I was I was so afraid he was hurt a lot worse than what he actually turned out to be. So like you and like so many others, when I saw him walking out of that hospital with those two little girls, uh, that my I, I got to tell you, tears came in my eyes because I, I didn't, I didn't think I would see that for a while. So, uh, good for him, and uh, I'm sure he's probably uh, anxious to get back in the car. Yeah, and, I'm sure. That, how we always, I mean, here we are, we race. There's a he got hurt, could have could have gotten killed, and as soon as he can get where he's physically able, he wants to get back in that car. I don't. I think people would think the last thing I want to do is go back and ride that horse again, but that's what we. I don't know why that is. But when I was hurt, I couldn't wait to get well so I could get back in that car, because I think I must. Maybe I had to prove to that car that I was tougher than it was. I don't know, but there's some men, something mentally wrong with all of us when we get hurt, can't drive for a little while, and then we can't wait to get back in the car. It's it's amazing to me. This. The, the motivation that we have to do what we do. Yeah. Um, it, it was crazy to me, as you know, you're a, a, a big part of my documentary blink of an eye. And, you know, I didn't, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things I didn't really think about for a long time. And one was, um, what that was like on you. I mean, you had raced your car for all those years. You get out of your car and they send you up to, to be in the booth for the Daytona 500, you're calling what's one of the most exciting, dramatic races in the history of NASCAR. And I finally win a race and you see your, your friend, our buddy Dale hit the wall. So people are selfish. You know, I always worried about me and, and, and how that would affect me. You had it coming and going like you were, you were so happy for me and, and, uh, so scared for your friend. And uh, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate how you handled things and, and, and how difficult I know that was and, and uh, how you participated and, and helped me tell my story to the world. Uh, people have uh, come up to me, Daryl, that were watching the, the first four or five races. It, it's on American Airlines or Delta or United, whatever. People were coming up to me and said, we flew here and we watched your movie. And it's amazing. And, you know, I had some struggles in my life and, and that's going to help me overcome those. So thank you. And, and, and I just want to ask, cause I don't think I ever really have, how did you 
how were you processing all that when you were up there? Yeah, I, well, put it in perspective, okay? What what were you over Ford? What was 62. it? 462? Hey, 462, not 82, bud. Oh, okay, 462. I'm sorry, I didn't, I got carried away. But, and so, and, and, and look, when I drove for Dale, when I drove Dale's car, when I drove the one car, I can't tell you how many people I know asked him, why did you put him in that car? He can't win any races. He's a, he's washed up. He's done. You know, why didn't you get somebody a little more younger, a little more aggressive, somebody that could have a shot at winning. And, and so I heard, I heard those things behind my back. And I think that was motivation for me. Uh, when I drove that one car, it was one of the best things I ever did. And you were responsible for that calling me up and asked me if they'll call me and you already knew he was going to call me. But anyway, I said, hell no, I'm not driving his car. Are you crazy? But then when he called me and you know how Dale was, I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I did. And it was the best thing, one of the best things I ever did. So put you in that 15 car and I can't tell you how many people come and say, what is he thinking? Michael's never won a race, won an all-star race, never won a race. Why did he put him in that car? I said, but, and I tell him the same thing that I told him about me. I said, because he believes in that guy. He believes if he puts Michael Walter in one of his cars, he will become a winner. And so that's what Dale was really good at. It was when I drove for Junior Johnson. I'll never forget. I drove for Junior, and I did not want to disappoint that man. He hired me, and I wanted to be sure that I did everything in my power to be a winner and to be a champion because Junior Johnson believed in me and he thought I could do the job. Well, Dale Earnhardt believed in you. He put you in that car and you win the first time out. And how many times did you and I sit around and say, wow, when it, does this in a winner, wouldn't it be amazing? I'm in the booth for the first time. You're driving that 15 car. What if you won the Daytona 500? That would be amazing. And here we are, the last few laps of that race and you're leading and I'm thinking, well, Dale Sr., I mean, Dale Jr. and Dale Sr. are going to go sailing by him. I know what he does. He's probably going to end up about 15. Ain't no way he's going to be able to hold the lead. No way that's going to happen. And I'd be darned it can lap after lap. And, you know, and you see, and, and I said, this is, this is, I was getting excited. Uh, and I know you were, I, you had to be, I know you were focused. I know you were doing your job, but I was getting excited. I thought, wow, he might just win this thing. White flag comes out and here you go. And I think, well, this is the lap. If it's going to happen, this one's going to happen. And here you go, you and Dale Jr. down the back and Senior back there just all over the place. I'm telling, I poke Larry and I said, Larry, they're going to wreck him. He can't keep doing that. He, somebody's going to hook him. Sure enough, third turn, you're going to, I, it's pretty obvious to me by now, you're going to win that race. And all of a sudden, I see that black car go up the hill and I'm watching you. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm watching you come to the line. You're going to win that race. It's about as high as high as I'd ever had. If, if I was in the car, I wouldn't have been even more excited. And I see you win that race, and I think, this is going to mean so much to him, and it's going to mean so much to Dale. And then we have a commercial, and then we do some uh, camera shots, and then we see the car, and we see the wreck, and I see Schrader, and I say, not good. We got problems. And Mike and Larry say, oh, he's all right. He'll get out of the car. He's going to be mad, but he'll be all right. And – and, and I knew in my heart that something was wrong because you know Kenny Schrader, you know how tough he is. When I saw Schrader go over 
and dropped that window net and he jumped back. I, I, I knew I knew it wasn't good. I didn't know how bad it was, but I knew it wasn't good. And so I was at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in just a matter of minutes. And uh, of course, I was going to come down. I want to come and be with you. I want to hug you, kiss you, tell you how proud I was of you. But I ended up at the hospital with uh, with all the with all our hearts and NASCAR and everybody else. So it was an look. That was 20 years ago. I feel like it was yesterday. Every t I can never ever ever think about TV racing and all the things that I've done and not go to that race every time. I mean, it's the first thing that comes to my mind is that race. So it was an, it was the best of days and the worst of days. Yeah, it, um, it, it certainly was. And going back to when you drove for, when you went to drive for Dale, I, I woke up one morning, you would, you would have having trouble losing your ride, your sponsors and Park had gotten hurt. And I woke up one morning and I thought, Daryl should go drive for Dale. First, I told Buffy, I said, Dale should go drive for, Daryl should go do that. She said, yeah, that's a good idea. I said, yeah, but if either one of them thinks the other one wants them, uh, I don't know that they'll want to do it together. I mean, they're, they're weirdos. I'm telling you, they're, they're strange cats. I got to figure out how to orchestrate this. <laughs> so I called Dale and told Dale that, you wanted to drive for him. And I called you and told you, Dale wanted you to drive for him. And neither one of you had any idea about either that would ever happen. And it came together. I was, I felt like, uh, I felt like an agent. And I'm glad it turned out to be so special for, for everybody. I know it. you guys were tough, fierce competitors, but that was a, a great time that you shared together. Yeah, well, you know, because I knew Dale from a time I, I, I met Dale in uh, 72 or three or four, somewhere over at Robert G's house, his, his father-in-law at the time. And uh, Dale was, I mean, he was a diamond, but he was in the rough, I can tell you that. And uh, we became good buddies and we did a lot of things together. And it, it, you know, it's funny you bring that up because we, he shared, uh, Robert G tried to help him all he could with his dirt car and, and I remember Dale coming to me and said, man, I got to get off these dirt tracks. I'm never going to be anything if I keep running all these dirt tracks. Will you help me? And I let him drive my, uh, at the time, my Bush car in Nashville, a brand new car in Hell. Uh, and, and we were we were buddies. And you won't believe what, what kind of resolved or, or dissolved our friendship. A gear. I, I had, Herb Nab worked for Junior Johnson. Jake and Herb are friends. We're going to Wilkesboro. You had a 543 or a 567, but you didn't have any, those are gear ratios. You didn't have anything in the middle. And, and so Junior had had somebody make some 550 gears. Only had a few of them. There weren't many of them around. Jake and Herb played cards together. So Jake finds out Herb had been renting out some gears on the side and didn't tell Junior, get a little money under the table, you know. So, Jake worked out a deal with Herb to get one of those 550 gears for, for Wilkesboro. So we got the gear. And, man, I sat on pole. I, I mean, it was a hot tip. You had to have that gear. So I sat on pole. I don't remember. I don't think I led an inch of that race, but I sat on pole. Anyway, 
so we go back to the shop and something comes along and I said, I'm going to run that gear that we got from, uh, we got from Herb. I'm going to run it. At, at, I don't know wherever it was, Bristol or somewhere. I don't remember where we we're going. Maybe we're going back to Wilkesboro. So I go to the shop and I tell Robert, I said, Robert, I need to get my 550 gear. I want to put in the car. I'm going to run He said, uh, and he always, uh, Darley, uh, the gear's not here. I said, what? He said, uh, Dale needed to, needed that gear and I loaned it to him. You did what? Oh, I mean, I was, because they were, nobody knew we had the gear. We got it from her. It's supposed to be hush hush. So here's Dale, here's Robert. He loans the gear to Dale and Dale goes off somewhere. And guess what he does to my gear? He burns it up. So he comes back to the shop, misses days. It's not just overnight. Comes back to the shop and I tell Robert, I said, Robert, if you ever, loan him anything of mine again. I, I, I was I was working out of his shop, out of Robert's shop there in his house, across, you know, Husband's Road. I said, I'll move out of here. I can't, I don't ever do that again. He said, Daryl Lee, that's my son-in-law. And I love you, but I love him more. And if he needs something and I got it, he's gonna get it. And that, that sort of built a wall between me and Dale and Robert and all of us, it became a, 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 a matter of principle. And I moved out. I moved all my stuff out of that shop up to the Goodyear building uh, that was up by the racetrack at that time. And that really started, uh, that, that was the beginning of the end for Dale and I. Our friendship, we were buddies, we were frenemies, friends sometimes, enemies sometimes. Uh, he called me every Christmas. I, I, look, he used to call me every Christmas, Dale did. Christmas Eve, never failed. 10, 11 o'clock at night, probably had a few beers. Just want to call you and wish you a Merry Christmas. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you thinking of me. One year you didn't call me. So I'm at the track in February and said, hey buddy, uh, I waited up for you to call me on Christmas Eve. You never did call me. He looked at me and said, I don't have to call you every year. And that, that's kind of, you know, I, you know how he was. He said, just because I called you last year, doesn't mean I'm gonna call you this year. He said, so if you're expecting me to call you every Christmas, you can get over that. I said, okay. And so he never called me again. I don't know why, that's a change, but that's just kind of how he was, you know? He, I loved it. He would come over and he'd put that arm around and he'd say, uh, how much right front spring you got in that old car? We'd be running real good, you know? I said, I don't know, I think I got a 16 in the right front. 16? You run a 1,600 pounds bringing that rifle. Yeah. Well, good. So he'd go off and do whatever he did. And I'd go over and say, hey, Dale, Dale, buddy, you're running really, really good. Uh, how much rifle and spring you got in that car? Now, you know I can't tell you that. You know I can't be telling you what kind of setup I got in that car. You get on back over and work on your own car. But that's how it was. And he wanted something from you. He put that big arm around you, put that charm on you, and he'd get what he wants. But you wanted something from him? Nah. Ain't got time for you. And you know this. In the garage, one day walk by and hug you. Next day walk by, act like you didn't know who you were. That's just who he was. And it was sometimes it was kind of hard to deal with, but you kind of knew that going in, and so you kind of said, "Well, that's just Dale." I can't tell you how many times. Well, that's just Dale. He wrecks somebody's. Well, that's just Dale. That's what he does. I had. Uh, yeah, you lived in that world. I had a. I had the luxury of of Dale Jr doing my podcast uh, last week and um, 
we were talking about a hundred things and I love these opportunities to chat with you folks who you're my brother. So that's a little bit different, but just people that I, I, I learn something every day. Every time I do it, I learn something new. And I knew the story about Dale Jr. Getting to drive the Bush car for the first time at Charlotte. And he was like top 10 in speed. And, and anyway, he wound up crashing the car and he went home, got in his trailer, him and a couple of his buddies, they got a bottle of liquor out. They're going to get drunk. They're, you know, he said, this is my career's over already. And he, said, <laughs> and so he knew all that part of the story. And, uh, and his dad come in and, and uh, ask him what the hell he was up, what he was doing, what was he thinking, why wasn't he over there at the garage working on the car, fixing it, getting ready to go for the next race. And, and Dale Jr. said he was mad. And I thought, I thought I was in big trouble. And he said, he took me back, he took me out on the back porch, set me down and explained to me, you know, the opportunity that I had and I couldn't just be an immature kid and drink beer or liquor and, and, and put it in the mirror. Got to step up and be a man and do your job, do what you're yeah. supposed to do. And he said, Dale Jr. said, that was the, daddest thing dad had ever done you know giving him that direction and and and, and i tell that story because of what you said um you know when he when he spoke you listened because he just had a profound way of understanding a situation and explaining it to to you and dale jr didn't know this story so i'll tell you this remember when remember when you were going to go somewhere with him on his plane and I told you, I said, okay, listen, he's going to tell you where to set. He's going to tell you what to eat. He's going to tell you what to drink. He's going to tell you when, where to go when you land. He's going to tell you everything to do. So you just say, okay, this is when you're going to drive for him. I said, you just say, okay. And, and uh, you're like, damn, Mike, <laughs> you're, you're right. I, I never even got to think once. I didn't think one thing because he was telling me everything to do. And Dale Jr. said this the other day. He said, dad would be like, you, you don't need that. You got to put that over there and you got to replace that with this. And you can't move that spring. You got to have the rear bar on that. You know, he just, he had his arms around every situation and it makes me smile thinking about it. Well, here, here's the thing. See, at first you get annoyed because you think, who does he think he is? But you know what it was? It took a while for me to realize this. He just, he wanted you to be the best you can be. Yes, he, that's exactly right. Fine. He was trying to help him. He had a funny way about doing things. He had a funny way about going about things, but he really wanted, all he was trying to do was help you. I remember that trip you're talking about. I got on the airplane and I said, he said, sit here. So I sat there. He said, what do you want to drink? I said, I'll have some coffee. Coffee? You drink coffee? He said, that's what's wrong with you. You got to have a sun drop. Got to have a sun drop? I don't even like sun drop, but I'll have one. But that was a sun drop. He, I went to, we went to dinner one time. I think I told you, we went to dinner at St. Elmo's in Indianapolis and I'm driving and I come out of the hotel and he says, turn left. I said, can't turn left here. I said, turn left. Okay, I'll turn left. So we're going down the street get to that lane over there. I don't want to be, I want to be in this lane. No, get in that lane over there. You can make that light, make that light. Go on, make it, make it. And, and we went away down the street, I don't know, not far. I said, I pulled over. I, I pulled a car in the park. I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. You drive. Because I apparently don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so you drive. But that's the way he was. I mean, I did some commercial shoots with him. 
and he would become the director. You know, oh no, we're gonna put this over here, put that over there. And a lot of, if you didn't know him very well, you would think, well, this, this guy's, see, his ego's over the top, he's off the chart. But it was, is he just wanted to be sure, or at least if he could help you, be the best you could be. I really do believe that now. I didn't believe it then, but I believe that now, that he just wanted you to be the best you could be, and he was trying to, he was really trying to help you in a kind of odd way. Yeah, and um, that that's, that's um, that's the thing that's that's everybody's sad for for whatever reason. Twenty years later, that that he's no longer with us. But going to drive for him, the thing that I was looking forward to most was Monday morning after after the race, and I didn't win because I wanted him to to tell me why I didn't win and sh- help me be even better. You know, help me grow as a racer, and and uh, and and of course none of that came to be, but, um, I'm so proud of Dale Jr. The, the man that he's become and, and, uh, he's, you know, he's the, he's this voice of the sport. People listen and believe and, and, and go by what he says. And we, we couldn't have a better young man, young man. <laughs> it used to be, uh, we couldn't have a better guy in that position than Dale Jr. He and Amy, he and Amy, uh, they're a wonderful couple. They're beautiful. Isla, their their baby, and and now they're having an, another child. So, uh, you know, uh, it's we miss Dale, but I'm thankful we have Dale Jr. here to uh, to help us uh, move forward because I think he does a great job of that. Yeah, you know, he said something the other day. I heard an interview he was doing. Uh, far I didn't hear it all, but he said, "I knew I'd never be a seven-time champion. I didn't even, you know, I didn't. I knew I couldn't win 76 races." I had to figure out, I had to think of, I had to do other things to be a contributor to this sport, uh, to be a, an ambassador for this sport, to be a spokesperson for this sport. And the thing I like about him is he thinks. He doesn't, he's not like me. And, uh, he, he says something and then think about it. He thinks about it and then, and before he says it. And uh, the things that he does, off the racetrack, his TV work, uh, whether it's eye racing or, you know, bringing Wilkesboro back to life again, things that he does, he said he loves the history of the sport. Uh, he's a huge fan of what happened. He was a kid growing up. Uh, there's a picture of him, and it, it kind of breaks my heart at, some, at times because Dale had just won the race, and he was sitting on the hood of the car, some kid, I don't know who the kid was, and there was a kid and a bunch of other people. And Dale Jr. is way in the background. He's sitting on the car up against the windshield, but his dad and everybody's up front up here getting their picture made. And that, that I see that picture every now and then, and it kind of breaks my heart because I know that Dale Jr. wanted a relationship with, with, with his dad. He wanted them to be buddies. And I'll never forget, I think he drove Ed Whitaker's bush car. And uh, maybe it was Rockingham or some Bristol. Maybe it was, I don't remember where it was. But he, he ran really, really well. Dale Jr. did. And so I go to Dale Sr. and I say, I'm going to, I need to talk to Dale Jr. I want to try to hire him. And boy, I thought Dale Sr. was going to knock me. I thought he was going to whip my buddy. He said, Let me tell you something. You stay away from him. I got big plans for that kid. He said, Besides that, you pay him too much. And he said, no, I don't want to pay him. I don't have to do that. So he said, you just stay away from him. I got a big plan for him. And he called me 
when he got that Budweiser deal, it was $10 million, a big deal, one of the biggest in NASCAR. And he said, I told you I had big plans for that kid. So a lot of things came to an end abruptly in 2001, February. We know that. I think Dale Sr.'s relationship with his son would have been huge. Your relationship with, with Dale would have been huge. DEI would have been huge. I think Dale had this vision. I was a part of that. I, I helped him when I could because I'd done my own thing and hadn't had that. I didn't have the money or the resources Dale had. So DEI, I think, would have been a powerhouse. Dale would have probably driven for children for a while and then gone in and run that. Dale Sr. Dale might even be running NASCAR today. I don't know. He, but he had that kind of feel and that vision and what the people like and don't like and would do and wouldn't do. Uh, a voice in the garage uh, that really and truly no one has ever stepped up to the plate to do the things that Dale could do. Uh, a lot of people, you know, Kevin Harvick has a voice. Denny Hamlin has a voice. Uh, the, the, Gordon maybe a little bit. But it takes all those guys to make up for that one guy that we lost in 2001. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel bad sometimes because look at, look at us. Here we are 20 years later, and we're talking about Dale, Dale Sr. and who he was and how he affected us and how he affected the sport and his impact on the sport. And it's 20 years later. And I always wonder how Dale Jr. feels about that because uh, his, his dad he may not be with us physically, but his, uh, what he did to the, what he meant to this sport, uh, nobody's been able to replace yeah. ever. I get tears in my eyes. It's kind of sad. we stand here and talk about it like that, but it's a yeah. fact. I get tears in my eyes every time I talk about it 20 years later. And, uh, I don't know why I want to talk about it. <laughs> if it hurts, if it hurts like this, why do I want to? But I just, I yeah. do. I know, uh, and I didn't, I didn't really have a direction for our conversation when, when I asked you to join me today. Um, I knew I wanted to see what you had been up to um, after retirement and how you were holding up during the, during the pandemic. And, and every conversation, it seems, with anybody that I love or is close to me always winds up talking about Dale. Yeah, I know. Well, I was, I was a big... I wanted Dale Jr. to drive the three car. Uh, I, I thought that was that would be a period on the story. If he, I don't, I don't know if he, I didn't know if I, I didn't know if I ever wanted him to drive for Childress or not. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. But I always thought it would be cool if Dale Jr. drove the three car, and I've told him that many a time. And it was funny, like Kevin Harvey, nope, nothing. I don't want anything to do with the three. Dale Jr., nope. I don't want anything to do with the three. That was Dale Sr., and I don't want to be, you know, that was his deal, and I, I'm, I, that's not me. And so um, it just, it's just, it's funny how some of us still embrace those moments, uh, those memories, and others seem to be, you know, they, they don't, they, they shy away from it. I, how long was it before people would even talk about what happened at Daytona? I mean, it was like, hush, hush. You didn't mention it. You didn't bring it up. If you did, you were it was taboo. Bad deal. We don't want to talk to you. Go away. And uh, at least finally, after all these years, Kenny Schrader, 
I love Kenny. Michael, you know Kenny. I tell Kenny Schrader all the time, if I was in jail and I had one call, I know who I'd call. Because I know he'd be there come hell or high water. Yes. That's Kenny Schrader. I, that's, that's what kind of guy he is. So, you know, when I, to hear him open up a little bit and all the things that were the secrecy around that whole whole uh, whole event, uh, it's amazing. Uh the things that we know and the things we don't know. Yeah. Well, um, I'm thankful that we were his buddy and I'm thankful we knew him like we did. Um, and you mentioned Kenny Strader, one of the best guys in America, his buddy, Kenny Wallace, another guy with a heart of gold. There's just a, a lot of characters in our lives that we've run or run around with and had the, the privilege to become friends with that, that have changed our lives forever. And, uh, Dale's certainly one of those. I wanted to ask you also, um, uh, I talked about retirement and you said you miss TV and, and um, I, I know you've got a car dealership uh, besides the family. Uh, what all, what other interests do you have to keep your eye on as a retired, retired gentleman now? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always thought if I played a lot of golf, like you do, I'd probably be pretty good. You know, I figured I could shoot in the eighties. I thought that'd be, if I played a little bit and gotten everything working right, you know, low 80s, maybe even a 78 every now and then might be possible. No way. The more I play, the worse I get. Yeah. I can shoot 40 on the front and 50 on the back. I'm a night. I shoot 90. Every week I go to the golf course, me and Fausto or me and Matthew or my son-in-laws or friends or I don't care who it is. And I start off and they say, man, you're pretty good. But by the time we get done, I shot 90. And, uh, and that's, 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 just counting the ones that I use. That's not always <laughs> counting the ones I don't use. But anyway, play a little golf. Uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of things around the house. Everything's pristine. I got everything clean. It's immaculate. You can eat off the sidewalk. You can eat off the driveway. Uh, I burned up about 50 gallons of gas in my power washer. Um, just trying to stay busy. Uh, I get out there with that power washer, and that's one of the, it's like, uh, it's just so gratifying because it's, it's instant gratification. You're cleaning and you can see right where you've been and what you've been doing, but also get lost in, in, in the racing world. And, I, and it gives me time to think about my buddies, my sport, things I did right, things I did wrong, people I offended, people I were friends with. Uh, it just gives you a lot of time to think. And when you're in this point of your life, uh, you do a lot of thinking. And you, you think, I should call this person and apologize them for something I said or something I did or gee I wish so-and-so would call me I'd love to talk to them and see what they've been up to but you just you have a mixed emotions every day you get up one day and you're you know car dealerships I have five and I go out there and they see me come and they say oh god you don't reckon he's gonna start coming every day do you and so I got that Anyway, uh, my family's healthy. All my girls, my both girls are married, got good husbands, got a grandbaby, got one on the way, another one on the way. And uh, I have a lot to be thankful for. I, you know, you know better than most how blessed I've been, how blessed we've been. And, and, and if, if someone to ask me why, I would, I, I, I don't, I don't really know if I have a, I don't have the answer. I, I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. But God, God, God just has been good to me. Well, are you going to 
bless us with your presence back at a racetrack, maybe uh, soon. Come by, do a little TV to hang out, see your buddies. Uh, once we get rolling, you think that's something that could be in your future, a little uh, cameo here and there, possibly? Well, it, 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 the one thing I loved about TV, I didn't realize when I started, but it, it soon became obvious to me was the team. You know, I, I, I love being, I love my team. I, when I, when I, when I drove for other people, that was their team. But when I, I couldn't wait to have my own team, my own guys, my own car, my own, you know, and I, it wasn't a selfish thing. It wasn't like I wanted to be all look at me. It was just, it was just something about having your own stuff and your own people and, you know, your own car. And it just meant a lot to me. So, and that's what I realized about TV. It wasn't long until, you know, me, Larry, and Jeff, me, Larry, and Mike, and all of us, uh, it, was, it was a great team. And I miss that. I miss, I miss those stupid Tuesday morning conference calls. And uh, there's just a lot of things that we, that I did kind of took for granted, but I really, really miss it a lot. I miss the people. I miss the travel. You know, I thought it, going to the racetrack every week was a pain in the butt, but in fact, it, 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 it's something I really enjoyed, and I hate I can't do it. I, I hate I don't get to do it anymore. I, I, I truly miss it. Yeah, well, we miss you too. I love you, and I know uh, I know you know how many people care for you. And and uh, it, I wish I should just mic myself one day at the racetrack so you could hear how many people come up to me and say, "Where's DW? How's old DW doing?" It's the it's it's the center of my my conversations uh, daily at the racetrack, but. Uh, I like to tell them that you're surrounded with your beautiful family and, and uh, friends and that, that you're doing well. And if you didn't miss what you did for all these years, then you didn't love it like you did. And your passion for the sport is, is the reason why you miss it. And uh, it doesn't matter when you quit. <laughs> if you quit 10 years from now, you're going to miss it then too. So it's, it, it'll never get any different, I don't think. Well, you're, you're, you're lucky because you can be Larry McReynolds and Larry said he hated to go in the garage on Friday because the first thing, will you tell DW? <laughs> maybe I said right or maybe I said wrong the week before. But uh, and, and, and Michael, you said something that resonated with me, and I never will forget it. You said you can say anything on TV you want to once. Yes. <laughs> so I try to remember that. I, I try to avoid it once. I think I, a couple of times almost said that one thing on TV. <laughs> Somehow yeah. I was able to slip by with it uh, and just uh, keep on digging. But uh, I love you, brother. Thank you for joining me on my podcast. And, uh, and hopefully I'll get to see you soon in person. I know it's been a while since we've, uh, we've hugged. So I look forward to seeing you. Same here, brother. Love you much. Thanks, bud. Man, that was so much fun catching up with Big Brother just since I was a kid, you know. He talked about racing since he was 12 years old. Well, when I was born, he was 16. So that meant that he was off on the road racing his car. And I grew up just admiring him from the wrong side of the fence. Kids couldn't get in the garage back then. So when he talked about Dale Jr. sitting in the back, uh, in this background of that photo of Dale winning a race it reminds me so many times of me you know wanting to be right there with big brother but little kids didn't get that opportunity much back then but um he always inspired me he was 
he was my hero and getting to uh, spend some time with him this morning, sitting at home, it's like we're together again. Uh, certainly difficult times, challenging times. I hope all of you folks uh, are staying safe and, and, and healthy. I want to give a huge thank you to all the medical personnel at the hospitals, on the front line, fighting this, this disease, this, this virus, and also uh, to policemen, first responders, anybody that's that's sacrificing for others. Thank you so much. Appreciate you watch, uh, watching Waltrip Unfiltered. Uh, thanks to Dell Jr. a couple weeks ago for that great show, my brother this week. Look forward to seeing who we have as a guest next week. Now remember, you can go on our Fox Sports YouTube page and check us out. Uh, you can watch there. You can also add us via your favorite podcast app. I'm sure you know all that if you're watching me right now, but uh, I just I just appreciate you. I appreciate you watching, taking time to, to uh, check out me and Big Bro. So until next time, thank you much.